Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, not just you, but I am in for a treat as I have one of my nearest and dearest on the podcast with us today, Lee Osharak. Lee and I have known each other since we were 15 years old. And What inspired me so much about her decision, which she's going to unpack for us, I know will inspire you guys, and I know a lot of you are finding yourselves in this very same situation. So without teasing it out too much, let me just bring Lee onto the show. Lee, hello, honey. Welcome. Oh, hello. I'm so excited to be here. What a treat. It is really a treat. So just set us up. Give us a little context here because the audience doesn't yet know what they're in for. Mm-hmm. Give us a highlight reel, a sizzle reel, if you will, mm-hmm. of your career. Sure. How much time do you have? A sizzle reel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I started my career in feature films, which is uh, an interesting path that led me to four or five years later, I moved to San Francisco and transitioned into a marketing and PR and kind of brand strategy path. And that's where I spent 30 plus years of my career working for some of the country's biggest brands, uh, Birkenstock, uh, Joe Boxer, Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, West Elm, PB Teen. I was on the startup team 
for Pottery Barn Kids, PB Teen, and West Elm, and started with the company when it was $1 billion. Uh, after 16 years, took it to $16 billion and decided I was the head of the function for brand marketing for all of the brands at one point or another. And after 16 years of, of that work and that grind and all that travel, a million miles of travel, I decided that it was really important that one of the two parents, my husband or I, step back mm -hmm. to be fully available to our son, who was going to be starting sixth grade. That was always our plan. Someone had to step back. And that was me. And so after that, I started a consulting business with two other incredible women where we consulted for small to mid-sized businesses. Ironically, every business we worked for was female-founded and female-led. And it was such a joy to really hmm. work where you were valued and work where there was just an unspoken language. And so that's what I did until last Wednesday when I made the decision to retire. And I, I put air quotes around that because it's a, it's a, it's not a controversial topic, but it's not met with a lot of support when you put that out there. Yeah. It's a, a topic that requires more conversation and people want to know why. And so that was just last Wednesday. So it's very new to me. I'm very excited. And that's what I'm here to talk about today is, is that decision. And it's funny, you know, you and I were having a casual, friendly conversation when you mentioned it, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have this conversation on the podcast. And so first of all, thank you for your willingness to come on and be transparent and all the things when it's brand new and a little raw because you are having this sort of feedback. But I think that's what's so important when we shifted to really focus on the 40 plus woman mm -hmm. last February and change the name to Liberty Road. We started to get a lot more listeners who had similar to you followed a much more traditional trajectory. Mm -hmm. My entire career was spent with entrepreneurs in that mm -hmm. zero to five-year stage. And when we made that shift, we noticed that we had more people. I have a dear friend who's a doctor. She's a pediatrician. And, you know, we kind of have this joke that she's listening because she's trying to figure out what's next for her, that she mm -hmm. wants to follow in your footsteps and retire early. But you know, has 30, 40, 50 years ahead, our, our listener. So what is next? I wanted you to kind of help us unpack what you went through and how you came to the decision. One of the key things you said in our conversation was you were retiring from making money, mm -hmm. which I thought was a profound distinction. Why that distinction? Well, I think the way I make decisions in the second half of my life is a lot based on feeling. Mm. How, how do I feel in my stomach when I think about that thing? Because intuition is so important. And I think I grew up, you know, in corporate America in a very, very high powered, you know, intense environment surrounded by very high achieving people. So naturally that was my peer group, you know, I met my best friends through work and we've traveled the world together and we've had all these shared experiences. So when I started sharing this experience or this decision, one of my dear friends who's a CEO of a very big company, she said, you can't do that. You can't do that. You still have too much to contribute. And it's like, 
am I flattered or am I offended? I don't know. You know, I don't know. And so I think the, the decision was really about how do I feel when I give for the sake of giving, sharing my talents and my expertise with organizations who need it and that we do it on my timetable. I actually feel really free and I'm passionate about giving, but when I'm working for fee, so in the last three or four months, I've had this like, oh, yeah. you know, I, I haven't been a hundred percent all in. And based on the fees that we charge and the work that we do and the, the, the things that are going on with the companies, there's this implied idea that you're available at all times. You know, a website could go down or some of the work we do is around crisis, you know, when things go sideways. Think about what's going on in the banking industry right now. And so there was a always kind of on call. You know, I had to take the calls all the time, the weekends, the nights. There was always a text before you went to bed that kind of interfered with your sleep. Or the first thing you did in the morning was check those emails and this client needs this. I need to jump on a call for that. And so it was the feeling of how do I feel when that comes in versus the gratitude and the passion I felt about when I was doing pro bono work for boards who really appreciated and valued the work, didn't have that expertise, but they didn't own my time. Mm. And I think that's what it came down to was I'm happy to do the work, but I want to be free. You know, after 30 yeah. plus years of someone always owning my time, you know, to an extent and having a husband who worked in medicine who had a lot less flexibility than I had, you know, he had patients and cases. And so I just wanted to have more autonomy over my own schedule. And I wanted to feel happy about doing the work. Can I go back a little bit? You talked about your husband and the decision that you guys collectively made for you to be the one to step back. For some of our listeners, that is loaded. Mm -hmm. So back up. I know we're talking about the retirement part, but while I've got you, I think this is an important thing because both of you were very high achieving uh, people who in your respective careers were at the top of your game. How did you guys come to that decision? How did you make that collective decision that it would be you? I think it was multifaceted and it was very complicated. And there was a lot of kind of fighting about it, you know, for lack of a better word, there was a lot of really spirited debate. And to be honest, it kind of came down to the fact that I really, really tried hard to be a mother. It didn't come easy to me. And I was so fortunate to, to be able to have our son. And my work, whether I determined this or whether he did, was not as, this isn't fair to say purposeful, but I didn't get the same feeling mm. from my work that he got from his. And I was also so drawn to motherhood. You know, that's, that surprised me. And so it was complicated at times, you know, but then when it came down to it, it was really easy, very easy. I was missing a lot. You know, when you're flying every week to New York or when you're in Australia or in Manila, you, you, you miss a lot. And you're constantly doing that mental calculus of 
who's watching the dog, I need a snack for this thing, I need to leave a check for this person. I was pretty tired. I was probably um, on the verge of, of burnout. And so when it came down to it, it was an easy decision. And I was nervous about, wow, I'm going to be in a completely different role. But I took to it really easily. And I loved every minute of it. And now I'm so happy I made that decision because we both have seniors. I know that. And they're about to go away. And the last six years have just been incredible. Yeah. I haven't missed a carpool. I haven't, you know, missed a, anything. And if anything, it's like, all right, mom, we're good. Yeah. We don't need you to turn up at the attendant's <laughs> office to turn in my form. Yeah. Like, you know, yesterday I got that. All right, mom, you told me to handle that. And you're swooping in. So it was complicated and then it wasn't. Yeah. And I know it was the right decision. I saw some of the, the impact of my husband's career over the weekend when he retired. And so it was like, you know what? That was such the right decision. I became a happier person. And a rising tide does lift all boats. You know, the, the whole family was benefited or impacted by my ability to quiet my mind and just be in service to the family and be a consultant and work, you know, instead of 60 hours a week, 20, 25, sometimes five. It was incredible. And it was a very good decision. I was fortunate that I could do it. You know, when I make a decision, I just focus on making it the best decision. I don't look back. So that's how we came to that decision. Thank you for sharing that. And I love hearing how much of your intentionality was a part of that. What is it that I really want the outcome of this to be? I'm not just leaving this particular job. I'm actually moving into another position in my life, right? I'm taking something else on that means something to me. Mm -hmm. I also remember soon after you made the decision or soon after you actually had left your position uh, within the William Sonoma brand. And you were so light and you were very, very much looking forward to this path. And mm -hmm. so an another question I have for you, because I think a lot of people are going to make the decision that you made, you know, six years ago now, now they're going to be making that decision now, thinking that stepping into that consulting role is going to protect their time. What advice might you give them as someone who did that and, and then found yourself feeling like, ah, people are still owning my time? One of the incredible women that I consulted with, we partnered, but she had her own company. Mm -hmm. And she, she made all the same decisions I made uh, and moved her family from the Bay Area to a charming little town in the Sierras to raise kind of two little, what do you call it? free range kids. You know, she wanted a quality of life for those kids and she's achieved that. But the success of her consulting business has, you know, created the same stress that we had in corporate America. And so I think the reason why I share that is it was happening to me too. And so I think it's really around boundary setting. And I understand that this is a privilege, but when I left corporate America, I had some hard, fast rules about not working with toxic people, not working where I saw red flags. So when I was interviewing 
or when, when clients were coming to us for proposals and projects, we were very in tune. I was very in tune to hmm, red flag, red flag, red flag. I said no more than I said yes. And I decided to do some things that are scary, which was I'm not going to take projects for less than six months because what happens is the client expects the client, the business, the you know entity expects to see the results quickly and you can't get up and down on a new business, put in a strategy, have the results by the time they want to renew the contract the next month. Right. So we started out with only six months and that grew to a year. And so the people who were serious about investing in that work were willing to do it. And as a result, we were su successful. The other thing was really about just fit and feel, right? So many times in corporate America, you don't get to choose who you work with. You know, if you have to work with some cross-functional partner who's toxic, you know, you just have to figure it out. But in this capacity, I made a decision that fit and feel was equally as important as all of it. Like, can I see myself, you know, in the trench in a really difficult time in business? How are we going to interact together? You know, do they take feedback? Are they open to uh, advice? We all have blind spots, but how do I feel about the relationship? Because it's really important. And so I would say for people thinking about consulting, I just had two lunches with women who are making this transition. And I said, I know 100% you're going to be successful, but here are the five watchouts, you know, and I think those watchouts were get put together a really good contract, right? So that you're protected and don't do things on a handshake. That's not because you don't have trust. It's because that's life, right? Yeah. And protect yourself with a 60 day out. Think about what's the minimum amount of time that you think you have to be successful. Is that six months? Is that a year? Think about your fee and record your time through a tracking system like a harvest or something like that so that when you bid a project, you know, I bid that project for 100 hours. It really took me 200. Lesson learned. And all the things like that. And then you need a network, right? When you're a general business consultant, you need someone who can handle inventory or someone who's a finance person and your clients are going to want that. So it's really all of those things. And it's not that, oh, I'm going to work for myself. I can let the babysitter go or the nanny go or I don't. That's what I hear often is, oh, how could you possibly be on Zooms or meetings and have kids over here? You know, you still need to have structure in your life and create structure. And I think, um, it worked for me, but I made some mistakes early on. And of course, you you will. You know, my first consulting partner and I, thank goodness her father was a lawyer. But one of our clients was like, mm, you know, they fired the, the CMO and they didn't want to pay. And her dad just inserted himself. He's like, no, no, you're not going to do that to these two ladies who did all this work. He kind of kind of man shamed him a little bit. But um, after that, he said, let me do your contract for you. So ever since then, I have shared that contract with other women. I'm oh, like, Here, awesome. here's a contract. Just, you know, change the things that apply to you and get yourself a 60 day out instead of a 30 day out, because that allows you enough time to onboard a new client if someone gives notice. And I would say that we all have a network and we all pay it forward. 
So the minute, you know, someone says, I'm leaving and I want to consult, someone catches them. And I think someone did that for me and I'm committed to continue doing that for others. The other thing I'll say, the last thing is consult with a partner because the whole joy of owning your own time is you need someone to back you up. If you want to go on that two week vacation, you can't do that if you're on a monthly retainer and your client expects you on a call once a week and they want to see your face or they want to talk to you. And so if you have a partner who you are peers with and that the client sees you as somewhat interchangeable, your goal is fulfilled. You can go on vacation for two weeks and not have to worry about that. So those are all things through trial and error that I learned that were really helpful. But yes, you can get yourself in trouble really quick by taking on too much. I wished uh, I had had you to have that conversation when I started and the the father who was the attorney. Oh, yes, yes. I, I definitely found myself in a pickle. Right. Isn't that dirty business? Yeah. But you learn quickly. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Rich Jacobs for swooping in and <laughs> getting us paid. And it's important. We need to value our time and advocate for ourselves in those situations. And sometimes it's easy, and I hate to say it, But more often, it's women who suffer from this. We don't go after what we deserve. That's correct. And I'm guilty of that, by the way. I say that. I own that. That I was, that was me that did that when when I found myself in that situation. I made that decision. I think if I didn't have a partner and we weren't so indignant, I might have just said it's not worth the hassle. But it was about the principle of it. But the other thing you brought up, I think, is worth expanding on is time. Right. And what I see in new consultants and new strategists who are consulting on their own is and, and this is admirable. They want to they want to do it right. And so they take every call and they take every meeting and they put together these beautiful decks. And I say, well, how how long did it take you to put together that presentation? Well, like 20 hours. OK, so that was five thousand dollars worth of work. And then they go make the meeting and they're like, oh, that's that's out of our budget. And so it's really vetting, you know, like that whole conversation around fit and feel is here's my minimum before you even take a meeting in the city or wherever you live. I happen to live in San Francisco. So by the time you go to the city and park and meet, it's half a day or if it's a full day. And if it's two of you doing it, that's 12 hours of billable work. So it's really thinking about your time as your most valuable commodity. I liked you recommending the Harvest thing or any any platform, any app that helps you track your time. What I want to say about that is once you've committed to a client that this is the time they're paying for, you can't necessarily go back and say, oh, sorry, that took me an extra hundred hours. So when you were saying that, it was so we could adjust going forward. That's absolutely right. It's what I've heard and mistakes I've made were bidding work. Right. You bid a project and it's a six months project and you're trying to go, Okay, that's going to be about. So the first time we did each type of project, we literally time kept only the first time. And then we knew if we're going to do a complete brand strategy for this size business, it's going to be this many hours. If we're going to do, you know, interviewing as well of top clients or top stakeholders, that's going to add another. And that way we knew that we were within um, that was when we were working on a project. And then we we pretty much moved to working on retainer and with the goal of over the year, some sure. months it's going to be over, some months it's going to be under. But, you know, it's all about setting expectations with clients. Thank you for that. I think listeners who are 
planning on making that jump or who've made that jump will learn a ton from those four or five tips that we'll be sure to call out in the show notes. Thanks for that, Lee. So let's go back to you and the statement about I'm retiring from making money. You talked about owning your time. And as you were kind of giving us the recap on your years of experience and then talking about wanting to own your time and feeling so much better about working with people in that pro bono capacity and feeling Mm -hmm. like you were adding so much value. Is that the distinction between the kind of work you will say yes to or work you'll say no to? Is it nonprofit pro bono work? Is it just stuff you care about? Like, how will you make the distinction? I think it's deeply personal work. Mm. And for example, you know, this, this friend that I had lunch with recently is starting and I would work for her for free for a month to help get her started off on the right foot. But it's, it's really has to be personal. I have to be passionate. I have to want to do it. I do sit on one board now and I enjoy that because I see the dichotomy between the resources that, you know, a publicly traded corporation has over here and then a nonprofit over here has nothing. They have, you know, an executive director and one person in this role, but but they don't have all this expertise. And you 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 can visualize with just a little bit of help how much impact that could make in soliciting more, you know, donations and mm-hmm. beefing up their social media and helping people understand their cause. So I think the long-winded answer to your question is I would have to be passionate about it. I think just as I did when I left my corporate job, I took a year of stillness. I didn't work for a year and I was burned out. And so I went on a hundred hikes in a hundred days to really think about, you know, headhunters were calling and I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I knew that in my body. And I said, I don't know what I want to do. And I said, well, okay, we can work with that. I said, but I know what I don't want to do. And it's that. I did that, you know, and because the jobs that were available were CMO at, you know, Banana Republic, CMO. I did that. Coming into a big corporation where the whole team needs to be, you know, let go and build a new team and justify in two years. So I think... um, Healing in nature has always been important, an important place for me to think. And so just now, Wednesday is very recent. I'm going to take some time and let everything kind of come in and see what it feels like. And, you know, I'm already doing some Google searches about some Peace Corps work in Latin America for three months versus or some other, you know, issues that are important to me. But I probably won't do it for at least nine months, yeah, maybe a year. And in that nine-month period, we should point out, you mentioned that we both have boys that are seniors. And in that period of time, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of change in your life and you'll be an empty nester for the first time. Did that influence the timeline of this retiring from paid for work? Yes, 100%. What also influenced my decision or made it easier is 
my husband had been contemplating retiring and he had some false retirements, you know, some fits and starts where he just wasn't ready. And I couldn't, I couldn't influence that decision. It had to hundred percent be his decision. And so he was grappling with that and kind of doing the work around that. And then I got an email from his colleague who went out, you know, hospital wide that my husband was retiring. I said, okay, he's doing it. It's official. He signed the paperwork and it was January 31st. And so I said, I'm going to do my best to join him. He's older than me. And because, you know, we've had a lot of loss lately in, you know, losing parents and friends. And I think my husband losing his dad two summers ago was really the profound first time he lost a parent and his dad was in his you know 90s. And so I think he realized, boy, this life is is fragile and precious. And so he he committed and I thought, why wouldn't I? Hmm. The body is never going to feel better than it's going to feel these next 10 years so that we can maybe make up for a little lost time of, you know, not traveling during COVID not miss one parent's weekend in college, you know, do all those kind of things. So my husband's retirement with the fact that our son is going off to college, like the universes are aligned for us to be able to enjoy life and be free, have spontaneity. (laughs) And benefit from years and years of work, right? I want to be clear. I always picture the different listeners, right, that are on mm-hmm. the other end of this. And you've been very, um, I think, keen to point out that this is coming from a place of privilege. Not everybody can make the decision right. you've made. But you've both worked very, very hard. Right. You weren't handed anything. I know that. I know your backstory. And so this is an opportunity to to benefit from all of that hard work. Having said that, you've also just been very clear about all that you're willing to give away to people you care about, to organizations you care about. So there's something about this opportunity that you've been given and the privilege that you find yourself in that you seem to be making very good use of. Would you say that to be true? I would say absolutely. And I I do want to say that my husband worked 38 years, 20 some of it, which he was on call 24 seven. He was not handed anything. And I worked 33 years and neither of us came from anything. We did it together. We were very intentional and thoughtful. And so I think we both feel so fortunate. You know, we, we have worked, I don't want to get bleeped on your podcast, but we've worked our bleeps off. And I don't know, I think we could do more good if we paused now from the working for others, for money, you know, for, for paid work. And I, I hope that doesn't sound distasteful and be giving of ourselves. I hope we can talk about that a little bit because we both have a lot to give. And um, a good example would be my husband, Jack, has taken our whole family three times to Vietnam on medical missions where, you know, things that would be fixed your first day in life in the U.S. as a baby linger there till kids can be in their 20s or 30s. And so we've done that kind of work and it's impacted all of us greatly. We want to do more of that. You know, there's so many other things that we can do 
and, you know, also make room for the next generation to kind of come in and, and put their stamp on things. I have so much faith that our kids are going to hopefully <laughs> get things back on its access <laughs> in a little bit of a better way. Amen to that. Let's talk a little bit about your hopes and dreams. I want to be sensitive to you taking this year off because you're you're wanting to steep in this so that you can come out of this on the other end and have more clarity around what those things will be that you will potentially pour yourself into. But what do you imagine them to be? And the reason I ask this question is, again, there are listeners who are like, okay, I might find myself in a similar situation as Lee. I might Mm -hmm. find that I can really start to consider or contemplate early retirement from paid work. Mm-hmm. When you say that and you make that distinction and you're clear about that, that was the the way you said it to me the first time, right? There's something significant about that for you. What do you imagine what, from a hopes and dreams point of view? We don't know where mm-hmm. you're going to land because you're going to have mm-hmm. this year to ruminate. But what do you imagine that could look like? What could you see your day-to-day looking like? Mm-hmm. Day-to-day, I don't know that I've gotten there so far because it's still rather new, I would love to embrace some hobbies. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> but as far as like the the work, couple of things. Like there's a few causes that are really important to me. Women's issues I'd probably have to put as number one. But um, the last year I've been back in school four days a week to perfect my Spanish again. And so I one of my classmates is an incredible lawyer who does immigration work. And we do translation. So that's really important to me. And then I think about where could, you know, being a bilingual person be of service out in the world. So like I mentioned earlier, I've looked at and kind of you said imagined and dreamed three months in, you know, Guatemala or somewhere where I could be of help to maybe women and children. Mm. And those are probably top. The other thing, I just love Africa. Mm. And so is there something... Is there a month I could spend, you know, there and be of service? Um, and then the last thing is maybe fostering other kids, which the reason why I say that is I only had one. As you guys thought, I would be the one with like rollers in my hair with five or six <laughs> kids. That wasn't to be for me. And I feel like I have such a capacity for kids. I don't know if there's a way that I could be helpful, maybe a big brother, big sister, something like that. But I see a friend of mine from Spanish class. His wife is a a child advocate in the judicial system here for immigrant children. So that could be something I could do. But I see things like that. And then the day to day, you know, hopefully I'm spending more time with my husband who, you know, for 28 years we've been on the grind, you know, kind of doing that parenting and many, many great years, but, but where we could just be together and say, you know, want to go to Bodega Bay today and have lunch? Like that's never been part of our narrative. Yeah. Never because of schedules. I love that I asked that question because you said some really, I think, key and important things. So as other people listen and dream and imagine what that could be for them, It was very interesting to see where you found the intersection of things that you enjoy 
and things that you have skill or capacity for. So you talked about the fact that you're bilingual and you immediately were like, okay, here's how I can incorporate these things that I already know. You talked about your capacity for mothering and Mm -hmm. your interest in pursuing that You haven't come up with, is it fostering? You didn't come up with the end result. You just looked at, what do I have capacity for? What do I have an interest in? And where is the intersection of those things? And I think it's so key for people to take inventory of themselves. And I could hear it as you were answering. I could hear you saying, you know, I have this heart for Africa. I don't really know what that means, but that immediately lends itself to some Googling at the very least, right? And and I think those are great places to start. What you said gives us a great foundation to just listen to how you approach this, even though you're in this in-between uh, and really reflective and thoughtful time, you already gave us some really key places to start. Well, you're a good listener, and <laughs> You pulled a lot out of there that I didn't realize, but as you were saying it, it made me realize, again, I go back to how I feel. It's where I have joy in my heart, mm. where I feel in my my person that this is where I should be. You know, you, you, you know that's true. You mm-hmm. know when you're doing work that's important to you, you feel it. And so I think that's that's how those things come to me. It's like, where do I have joy in my heart? So I guess it's easy. A year from now, it'll be fun to see where I can take it. Yeah. I'm really excited about all the possibilities. Let's have you back on. Oh, okay. And I'm serious. Let's have you back on in a year and let's just see where you are. You know, instead of where's Waldo, it's where's where's Lee? <laughs> What's she <laughs> up to? float <laughs> the beach, no. <laughs> no, because I think it's really interesting to just take this time to think about what that can look like. I mean, we... We say it's part of sort of the Liberty Road mantra, but it's, you know, we want you to come here and consider your possibilities and then lean into your future with intention. Like, that's the point. Right. That's why we're telling these stories. I think one of the things that that we talked about earlier, which was, you know, that my husband and I worked really hard to get here. One of the things that helped me get here was being really intentional, you know, 20 some years ago when I was much younger and, you know, not making a whole lot of money at work. Someone who I I held in high regard said, you should get a financial planner. I was like, for what? (laughs) (laughs) There's like a buck here and a buck there. And I remember, you know, almost feeling like an imposter scheduling that meeting. But that decision was what enabled the rest. Hmm. Because that decision you know, to to commit to that process and to kind of be full open kimono with your finances and your spending. And they would tell me annually, well, would you be willing to spend a little less over here and put that in your 401k? And would you be willing to do this and that and maybe drive that car for two more years? And, And it was very much just a math equation, you know, of you need to make better decisions. And that decision and that discipline to do that year in and year out and someone to show me because math is not my forte I don't like it and to show me on a spreadsheet like okay if you do this this is what that looks like 30 years from now if you make this decision it's kind of like when they say if you pay an extra payment on your mortgage it'll be done and you know it was someone who did that for me when I didn't have the capacity I didn't have the expertise and I didn't have the time 
that's one of the number one things I would always talk to my young mentees in corporate America about. They would say, well, you know, do you have any advice? And I would say, dig in deep in your finances, figure out, you know, how you can save on your taxes by paying yourself or, you know, do this or do that. And I'm no expert, but I engaged someone who was, and it helped me tremendously. I think that's a big one. I hope people will take charge of their, their finances. Hearing that now, um, some people will feel like it's too late. And we just want to remind them it's never too late. Never too late. I mean, surely the earlier you start, the better, but it's never, it's never too late. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, man, what I want Liberty to have is um, that same mechanism, that same financial tool, but for our lives. How do we take that same inventory and save some things over here, develop some things over here, create some opportunities for ourselves over here so that when we come to this place where we've walked through midlife, we can look back at this season and and feel like we did it well. So thanks. That gives us a parallel to, to think about. You've talked about the way that you're going to spend this year and the potential outcome. Can you imagine ever starting a nonprofit? You're young. I mean, I just want to point out to people that, that you're young and have Thank a, you. <laughs> a lot of time ahead of you. I mean, can you imagine starting a nonprofit, starting something where the intention is to use kind of your powers for good in that way? And powers can be used for good for profit businesses too. Mm-hmm. I want to say that. Mm-hmm. Or do you imagine that you will come alongside somebody who's already doing something because protecting your time seems, at least right now, to be of most importance? Sure. I want to give some context to my answer. Thank you for saying I'm young. Um, I'll be 55 this year, mm-hmm. correct? I think I'll be 55 yes, this will. year. But my decisions are still impacted by the fact and maybe some of your listeners have this experience or perspective. As you know, I lost my mother when she was pretty young. She was just turning 60. And so as that age has gotten closer for me, it's like a really loud gong, you know, that time is the number one commodity that we all think we have more of, but we don't. And you know, I always used to hear my parents say, oh, well, when we get retired, we're going to do that and we're going to save for retirement. Well, then they got divorced and then, you know, died young. And so I can't help for my lived experience not to affect my decisions greatly. Mm. So I think that in my mind, I'm still trying to reconcile that I'm going to live a long life. And I hope that's the case. But with that being said, I think the latter. I don't think I would start something on my own. I think I would get in the trench alongside someone or I would give of my time. I heard something, this is a funny non sequitur, but I heard something from Blake Shelton. He was talking about him and Gwen Stefani going off the voice. He's like, we've gone so hard, you know, traveling and touring and all this. He's like, we're just going to go sit on the couch. And that really resonated with me. I'm like, you know what? Some candles burn really bright and then they just kind of... So I I think the idea of shifting from overdrive down into a consistent second gear feels right. Mm. I don't know if I want to rev my engine that hard again where although I'm a type A, the minute someone says they need help, I, I dig in with my whole being. But 
I think I would absolutely be the latter, conclusively. Well, and I think that type A piece of your personality, uh, knowing you as well as I do, and for as long as I've known you, it will be another Kilimanjaro. It will be creating more olive oils from your (laughs) patch in Sonoma. So I imagine that you'll be still fueling these fires. They just will, again, there'll be things that are, uh, you're managing your time. The desire to achieve, that's right. It never fades. You know, there always has to be, I call it my annual proof that I'm still alive. You know, proof that I'm still challenging myself. I did just get a very coveted permit for the John Muir Trail this summer, just like a 250 mile through hike. But I don't know if I can do it, even though I got the permit because I got to take my beloved son to college. But I always feel that need, you know, to achieve something, to prove that, not to prove to anyone, but to prove to myself that I'm still alive, I'm still vibrant, I'm still capable, you know. So, yeah. That's my, I don't even want to say it's an Achilles heel because it's not a bad thing. That's just part of my persona. It's not an Achilles heel because I think it's something that it's, it's how you were created. It's how you were designed. And your job is to identify the way to use that for for the best, for you, for Mm -hmm. others. How can I be in service to others? How can that gift be in service to me? Mm -hmm. I know it has been to so many people. Mm -hmm. What most excites you about stepping into this new season? I think connection. Mm. You know, just the potential and the possibility for deeper connection. You know, as you get older, you 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 savor and you cherish things more. So I have two besties who are still, you know, one's head of marketing at Sephora, one's at, you know, Google and and they call me SVP of fun and adventure because now I have the capacity to kind of curate our activities because they're too busy. So I think the idea for deeper connection, um, so many friends, I have a list, mm. like the fact that we could talk, you know, for 30 minutes or there's so many people that I want to connect with and friends that have influenced or impacted so much my dear college roommate has recently been very unwell and I have the ability to go fly and see her Mm. and sit with her and prioritize that. So I think that deeper connection and that, you know, kind of really being where your feet are, that's a mantra of mine. It's like, be where your feet are. And then the other part is just like, you know, the, the lightness, imagine looking at your calendar and it's not like green and red and yellow and double booked in some places. It's just white and so I think the possibility, the, the air of possibility, it's titillating, for lack of a better word. It's like, yeah. wow, I could do nothing today, or I could do something really cool, like drive to Mendocino. Or, I mean, I hope I do these things, but I've always been trying to wedge something in a teeny little window here or a window yeah. there. And so... Those are the things I look forward to the most, but the human connection is the most important. As you get older, you really enjoy that human connection. Thank you, Lee, for connecting with us. Thank you for taking this time to have this conversation. I wanted you to do this for so many of the listeners because I think people have these 
these thoughts in their head, these curiosities, and there's not a lot of conversation around it. We think of retirement in this way that's like, we don't, we don't know what we're going to do with ourselves during that time, or we don't know if we will lose ourselves to that time. And I think what you've done here is given us the reframe of what that could look like. And even for those who are not stepping into any sort of early retirement, but to think about what it could look like. There's so much freedom mm-hmm. to what you've kind of laid out for us. So thank you. Thank you for connecting with us in that way. But before I let you go, we have our famous fast fives. Share a daily practice. It could be a hack or something that keeps you grounded. Ever since the pandemic, I'm on a thread with my two amigos and we share all of life's daily musings. If you read this thread, you would laugh your tushy off. It's like, oh, I have gas. Oh, I'm walking the dog. You know, like it's just um, the silliest, funniest little musings of daily life. But it has to happen every day. Has to. Mm. Uh, even if one's in Paris and one's in New York, you know, we're, we're laughing about uh, the fact of all of, you know, life's hysterical daily things that just make you giggle. So that's probably one that makes me smile every day. I love the that it's something that the three of you have intentionally or unintentionally committed to because that thing to look forward to, that connection all the time, that being known, it's this little library of each other's lives, right, that you guys get to lean into. That's it. And, you know, if someone has a big Wordle day, I mean, that's, <laughs> someone gets it in two, it's like lots of emojis. So I yes, love it. it's, it's being known and just being seen and yeah, someone calling you out on your nonsense. That's, that's for sure. Good to have that. And then what are you currently reading right now? Oh, that's a little schizophrenic. <laughs> well, I, I read things all at the same time. So I'm speed reading the book Smacked, mm-hmm. which is really interesting about addiction and how like how can you not know that your husband's an addict? Um, and then I'm reading Beautiful Darling, mm-hmm. which is an incredible book. And then what's the third book? Oh, the third book someone gave to me. It just arrived thanks to that big e-commerce bookstore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tribe of Mentors. And it's really interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. But it's called Short Life Advice from the Best Brains in the World. And... I love it because every time, you know, when I was going into consulting, it's like heads of all these companies and little musings. There's always something that you can take into. I read it when I left work. I read it when, so I'm rereading it again as I go into this next chapter. So nonfiction, fiction, biography. You've got it all. That's a very well-rounded list. (laughs) I told you. Thank you for that. And then you shared a little bit with your hikes and even just with your friends, but what's one thing you do to relax, to unwind? I get in nature unequivocally. It's been, you know, the 19th bomb cyclone or whatever atmospheric river of the year. So we're officially soggy out here in California, but I do my best to get out in nature every day if I can. It's something that I've been doing ever since, um, I lost my mom. I would go in a very Mm. spiritual place and listen to the birds. And I always say, you know, barring a terrible disease, there's nothing a walk in nature can't cure. You can't have a beautiful 25 minute walk with no AirPods, no nothing, and come back and feel that, you know, fresh air and and not feel better. So 
that's my daily meditation for sure. Yeah, that's a great one. And you should see my outfits. My my son is mortified. (laughs) I wear a sun bonnet and a sun hoodie and, you know, cover my hands. It's like, I have no shame anymore. I I can't get sun on my face. Yeah, well, you're a little bit of a fashion maven, so I I have a hard time (laughs) believing that even those things don't coordinate in some way. Oh, you should see them. (laughs) Okay, take a picture and send it to me. (laughs) Um, And what advice would you give your 25-year-old self, if you could go back to her, that young woman who was broke, was working her ass off, and yes, we can say ass on this show, and had no clue what midlife could look like. What the future held. And and you want to say to her one thing about midlife. You want to sort of make sure that whether it's to ease a discomfort or to, you know, send out a warning. What would you say to her about midlife? I did not rehearse this. Um, I would say, don't worry so much. Don't worry so much because it robs you of time and joy and it doesn't change the outcome. And I guess, you know, because I'm talk a lot, according to my husband, I would say, it's all going to work out. You know, I know that sounds so cliche, but somehow some way these little decisions or these little insults in life that feel so terrible end up being such incredible teaching moments and impact you so i would say you know it's going to work out replace fear with faith and just don't worry so much don't borrow trouble this has been the best you know besides college where you know that was a good time this has been my favorite Every chapter is my favorite, but it's my favorite chapter. Don't begrudge it. It's going to be great. It is great. And we got to get that narrative right. It's part of why Mm -hmm. I ask that question over and over again. You know, this podcast is called Liberty Road. So we have to ask you, how has this decision to retire? And again, we know you're on the front end. You're days away from having Mm -hmm. retired. How has that liberated you? I think it's almost like a decision matrix. It makes how I spend my time in the future very simple. Do I want to do it? You know, I'm passionate about the work. Great. If not, the most precious gift that we all have is our time. How we spend it, who we spend it with, who we give it to. And so it allows me the gift of time. And just in, you know, less than a week or let's see, exactly a week. I'm starting to feel it. You know, there's a lot you got to do to kind of wrap things up. and But, yeah, I think just making the decision-making easy, easier. Nothing's easy in life, right? Yeah. <laughs> easier. Mm-hmm. Lee, there's something very vulnerable about this particular conversation, and I think it's the way you invite people into conversation. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for creating this space for all of us to think about what that could look like for us, whether it's imminent or whether it's, you know, years from now. I think, again, you've given us a framework. And thank you also for calling attention to how precious our time is and how much we should value it and how as much as we say on this podcast and everybody else who's shouting out menopause and midlife right now that it's not, you know, it's not too late, that we need to be uh, cognizant of there's less years ahead than there are behind for many of us. And so we want to make really good decisions. Thank you for bringing all that to us today. I appreciate you. 
You're very welcome. I never get nervous, but I was like, do I have something, you know, having done my research, do I have something to contribute here? And I guess my hope is, is that um, there's something that I've shared that will give people the courage to just think about it. Mm. There's the risk of feeling completely irrelevant and, or there's the risk of not having enough to do. But I think, um, I appreciate you asking because it, it made me feel good about my decision. Like maybe there was something good about it. So thank you. 100%. And I, I wouldn't have asked you, I mean, you know, I love you, but I wouldn't have asked you on the show. I, there's lots of people I love. That, no charity work. Yeah, no charity work. <laughs> this is for the listener. And I just believed that this path that you were setting on for yourself is one that others um, are going to follow in at some point. And to have, again, some context um, and some wisdom and some light shed on it was important. So thanks for being with us. And Liberty listeners, as always, thank you guys for sharing this time with Lee and with me. It's been so fun to hang out with you guys. And we will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.